Conversations with women for everyone. I'm Kate Lennington, and this is Female Forward. Welcome to Female Forward. I'm Kate Lennington, your host, and today I'm interviewing Whitney Swope, or as I know her, Miss Swope, an English teacher at Islander Middle School. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Kate. It's great to talk to you. Yeah. Okay. So first question, what led you to this profession? Like what made you want to be an English teacher? Yeah. I always knew that I loved the subject of English and kind of funny, but even in high school, I knew that I wanted to be a teacher and work with Mm -hmm. teenagers, um, which is a weird thing to (laughs) say as a teenager. Yeah. Um, I think I just had some really incredible teachers who inspired me and made me really think about the world in a different way. And so much of that deep learning happened for me in my English classes. And so I thought, um, that I wanted to be a part of that for, to pay that forward for other students to, yeah, find some inspiration in different texts and the world and uh, themselves. Yeah, I love that. Like, I have, I wasn't always in English, but like, I think your class especially definitely like helped me to get really, I started liking writing essays actually, which was Ooh. something I kind of never really liked, but it was kind of like when I had the option to write about something I actually cared about, it just felt really interesting and cool. I love hearing that because the, I, the dream is I, you know, help you get equipped with that toolkit to be able to use your ideas and put them on a page mm-hmm. in a way that can inspire other people and organize your thoughts in a way um, that feels like a powerful tool that you can take with you. Yeah. And kind of um, on that, like, I know you t- taught high school for a while, but like, what made you want to come and teach eighth graders and be a middle school teacher? Yeah, it's funny because I always said I wanted to teach high school and Mm -hmm. my first job was teaching high school and I loved it so much. Um, And when I was in teaching school, my advisor said, you're really good with eighth graders. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not interested. I'm doing Mm -hmm. high school. He was like, "Okay, but you should consider it. Um, So when I got this job at IMS, I was like, "Okay, I'm going to do it for one or two years. That's it. And then I realized I really love working with eighth graders. Mm -hmm. Uh, I loved my seniors. I loved my freshmen, but my eighth graders, I felt like they were at this pivotal decision point in their lives. They're trying to decide like, who do I want to be and what do I want to be about? And to have a role in that time is just feels like such an honor. Um, So I love my eighth graders and I've been here for 10 years now because (laughs) turns out my advisor back in college was, was onto something. Yeah, that's really awesome. And so, like, I know that when you were my teacher, we kind of talked about how the required reading list that we read, like a lot of the books we read in English class, a lot of them kind of are outdated. And a lot of what I like to call white men in peril books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, what has kind of been your thought as an English teacher and having to use required, like, the books that we read? And do you think that updating these lists could affect the next generation. Yeah, definitely. When I was in high school, I read almost exclusively, I like that, Kate Whiteman in peril <laughs> books. And I think there was a lot to be learned from them. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I learned a lot from reading The Great Gatsby. I loved The Catcher in the Rye. And a lot of English majors like me go on and we're like, oh, but we love those yeah. texts. And 
we were taught those texts. And so we think those are the texts moving forward. Um, but a couple of years into the classroom and and this movement to, to make sure that all students can see themselves in the literature um, really struck me. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky to be in a position in a district where they let me explore and look for new options and new choices um, that would be more diverse and represent yeah. different experiences and different time periods. And, you know, since diversifying my tech set and trying to, uh, you know, apply all these different uh, perspectives and approaches, my students have benefited so much yeah. and my goal is to always continue that work and to include students in that work. So mm-hmm. last year, I remember you wrote a really compelling <laughs> essay when I asked the question, should we still read To Kill a Mockingbird? Because yeah. I want to know my students' opinions on it. I want to look at the different historical perspectives. And as we continue to update, I want students to be involved in that discussion mm-hmm. and, and those decisions as well as we try to make the learning space for everyone, not yeah. just for people who look a certain way or have a certain identity. Yeah, and as a student, I think some of my favorite books that I have read over the course of my um, educational career have been books where I can relate to the character in some way, whether it's gender or um, like learning disability or whatever it is. When I see myself in a character, it makes the character so much more compelling. So whatever that way may be, it just, I've always, like the books that I particularly love are those books when I can be like, that I I see that and I feel that every day. And so I think yeah. it's really cool when we can start diversifying the books we read. And so that's I, the power of literature, right? Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, you can look at the way that we've made those changes and more students can see themselves. And there's always changes I'm making and I'm always yeah. asking students like, what are we missing? Um, you know, I recently looked at my list to say, what's my LGBTQ mm-hmm. representation in my text set and how can I have more identities represented so students can feel seen and they can choose more texts instead of saying this is the one thing that yeah. you have to read um, so we can all, there's so much great literature out there. Like yes. there is no reason to be reading something that students don't connect to and get excited about. Exactly. Um, and then, okay, so moving on um, to more kind of how gender has affected your career and your life. So I guess that's the question. Um, How has gender affected your career path and like where you are today and how you got there? Yeah, it's a really good question. It was interesting for me to think about. I think I'm in a career path that Mm -hmm. people expect women to be in. And so I have felt like, you know, if I tell someone like I'm a teacher, they're like, yes, that makes sense to me. They mm-hmm. usually expect me to be like a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. Or something. I don't know face or what it is, but, you know, I think in education has largely been dominated mm-hmm. by women and specifically white women. Yeah. And so I think um, in terms of, I, I think it's almost even given me privilege in this mm-hmm. space where in a lot of other spaces, I might feel like I'm really fighting for um, fighting for space and voice. I feel like in education, I'm having to pull back my voice to make sure that I'm making space and room for other voices and identities because teaching is such a white female driven profession. Um, and I'm lucky and so overjoyed to do it. And I also want to make sure I'm amplifying voices of educators of color and my male colleagues and just making mm-hmm. sure that there's representation. Um, I think you you asked me about what it, I think the experience has been a little different as I became a mom. Yeah. And I think becoming a parent, that's where I started to feel like, ooh, and I think it's something that a lot of um, parents can relate to mm-hmm. when you, you know, you take a leave and you go away and you're worried about people thinking like, is she going to do as well now that she's a mom? 
so busy because she has kids now. Is she going to show up as well? Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, leave, when I leave right at three 30, so I can pick up my daughter at elementary school, I kind of have that fear of are people, you know, worrying about, is she doing as much as I am? Because I, you know, she has these kids to focus on. And I think yeah. that's something culturally that we, you know, we don't do a great job of making women in the workplace feel, you know, valued and appreciated as parents all the time. And they can, you know, can worry about the appearance of, of not dedicating as much when in reality, I've become so much of a better teacher because mm-hmm. I'm a parent and the way that it's just really increased my empathy for students and parents. And it's really opened me up in a new, in a new way, um, but has brought out some of those insecurities yeah. of, will they judge me? And um, fortunately I have amazing colleagues who support me so much mm-hmm. and help me when I, when I need help. Cause I definitely, definitely need it from time to time. Yeah. I think so often in so many different work, forces and workplaces when the person who's having kids leaves like especially when they're women it's like oh well that's expected they're expected to be a mom whatever but also are they going to be able to do as good of a job but like when a man leaves for example to like um help at home and whatever he's kind of almost like a hero like oh my god <laughs> i can't believe what an amazing man right and so i think there's a lot of that stigma around being a parent in general in the workplace about like what what's the difference between like a mom and a dad and how they're viewed in that position and in their job and I I do think that because teaching is one of the few female dominated jobs that it might be a little bit different so who are who are and who were the women in your life who like made you feel seen inspired you and like pushed you to be to meet your full potential and be the woman you are today. Yeah. Well, I grew up in a family of women. I have an amazing dad, but I have Mm -hmm. two sisters and a really strong mom who just have really encouraged me to be myself and have always pushed me and challenged me. Um, And then I just think I've been surrounded by incredible female mentors um, and leaders. My, one of my bosses, uh, Mary Jo Budges, she has Mm -hmm. really inspired me to be the kind of leader that just hears every single person's voice and makes every person feel seen and honored. And I just have had so so many incredible teachers Mm -hmm. that I've worked with who have pushed me and challenged me and mentored me along the way. Um, I think teaching can be an isolating experience if you close your door and just do your thing. Mm -hmm. And that was how my first job was. And Uh, In this role, I've gotten to learn from so many just powerful and inspiring teachers Mm -hmm. who have helped me along the way and continue to help me all the time just become a better leader and teacher and person. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's awesome that you your job is such a supportive job, because I know some people, a lot of people don't get to experience that. So it's really great that people do get to experience that and you get to hear about that. So when was the first time, like if you have a specific memory that you really felt like the um, systemic sexism that exists in our society affect you? Like, when was that moment for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think that's a really, like, can I think about that one? Yeah, take your time. Don't worry about it. (laughs) It's such a good question (laughs) that I want to make sure I answer it well. Can we come back to it? Yeah, we can come back to it. Okay. Okay. Um... So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? That's a great question. 
so I, my idol is, I don't, that's not advice given directly mm-hmm. to me, but of course my idol is a literary idol, uh, Toni Morrison. And she said, all important things are hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that teaching, if, you know, for, for students who are considering going into the profession, teaching is a really hard mm-hmm. job. It's not easy. It's not something you can just show up and then leave and not have all this stress and worry yeah. on your shoulders. Um, it's not an easy one, but it's, it's incredibly important. And Mm -hmm. I feel so lucky to be able to do this important work and remember how important it is every single day. And so I think just that reminder of when it feels challenging, when it feels hard, you know, teachers, unfortunately, a lot of teachers are leaving the profession right now because they feel so taxed and overworked Mm -hmm. and just, there's so much conflict and challenge. And, and I feel really lucky to be reminded of how important this Mm -hmm. work is and to feel like my teaching gives me such purpose to be able to support students and hopefully inspire them to think, uh, to grow their skills, but also just to think about the kind of person that they want to become. And that, that advice from Toni Morrison has really stuck with me through the years. Yeah. And I think especially, I mean, the last almost two years for everyone has just been so challenging and so just confusing and out of the ordinary and I think especially for both teachers and students because it's been such an odd environment to be both learning and teaching that I think the reminder that hard things are worth it and they do like you do get stuff out of it eventually is always really important because even I know that I've had like some rough days where it's just been like everything feels so Yeah. It's been, it's been so hard. Yeah. It's been so hard as teachers. It's been so hard on my students and watching my students struggle as we all Mm -hmm. just try to figure out how to do our best and show up each day, you know, and try to contribute positively. And yeah, yeah, I hope, yeah, I, I feel, I I hope that my students know that they have me in their corner Mm -hmm. and someone who's there for them um, on those really hard days. Yeah. Um, Okay. So do you think you're ready to come back to the question or do you want the other two? I feel like I can't come up with a good answer for that, Kate, but I feel bad because it's such a good question. No, it's okay. Just like, it doesn't have to be even a specific moment. Just like, when did you start feeling it? Like, when did you kind of start feeling that like, oh, maybe my life is actually going to be a little bit more challenging because of something I can't control? Uh, So it's such a good question. And I think what I think what I'm thinking about when I come to this question is like, intersectionality. Mm -hmm. And so I think the experiences that I've, you know, felt as a female where I'm like, oh, like this, this sticks with me. It's kind of those moments where I didn't, where I don't feel, you know, as safe walking down the street or the moment I'm, you know, I'm concerned about myself. I've definitely had some moments of, you know, not having the physical safety that I would want. I had some experiences while traveling that really spooked me. And in all of those moments, I, you know, I think about kind of the challenges and Mm -hmm. uh, that, that females face. And then I also think about when it comes to the idea of intersectionality, I also am in a position of, you know, so much privilege in my life and and other identities. And so I think about the experiences of women of color, Mm -hmm. um, women who are facing struggles with mental health, you know, so many of these other ideas. And we think about how we overlap. I think it's so important. Okay. Also from Toni Morrison, she says, <laughs> if you have some power, then your job is to empower somebody else, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's when you're talking about feminism, like that's something that it means to me is, is yeah. 
females, you know, supporting one another, because if you have found yourself even the slightest amount of power as a female, being able to pass that forward and inspire other females and support them and use any kind of position that you've been given, you know, Mm -hmm. as a, as a teacher in a position of power with my students, I hope I can use that power to give power to someone else, to teach them, to find that power as well in a, in a system that is working against them at times. Yeah, I do think it's super important that we think about intersectionality because I'm also I'm I'm white and then I'm and then I'm female presenting and I'm and I am a girl. Right. And so I just think it's important that I know that that I recognize my privilege as well as as uplifting others who don't have the privilege of being white and who don't have the privileges that I have because of the society we live in. I think all these things, because that's the complicated thing with feminism is just it's such a complicated thing because it's not it's not just having equal pay. It's not just um, feeling safe walking down the street at night. It's it's also like it's not just a female movement. It's a movement for everyone that everyone needs to be a part of if we are going to get into a world that is equal in gender and race and everything like part of this big thing and we need the entire world essentially to work together and that's kind of one those things where it's just like it sounds like a lot when you put it like that but it kind of is a lot and so I just think working together as women for now at least at least the women supporting women is really awesome if we're working together from that standpoint and so you kind of touched on this but what does feminism mean to you? Yeah, I think I think some people are scared of the word feminism. They mm-hmm. think it is this big scary thing. I think feminism is just the belief in the equality of the sexes and and the support for getting us closer to that. I think part of feminism is an acknowledgement mm-hmm. of the historical and present day inequities that still exist uh, so then we can bring those to light so that we can make change and support others Mm -hmm. and then kind of like we were talking about being able to have that community of lifting one another Mm -hmm. and I also I love nothing more than when men say hey I'm a feminist like I think everybody should be able to say like I believe that the genders are equal and need to be treated as more equal you know if, if my son when he grows up says I'm a feminist, like, I feel like I've done my job right. And it's not this thing that's saying anything that I think a lot of people attach to it, but just this empowering term of, I believe in inequality. Like I believe in equality of the genders. And as someone who has um, always considered themselves a raging feminist since the moment she knew what that was, I have (laughs) dealt with like boys in my grade who are just like, what? Like, and I'm just like, it's, it's not like a scary thing. It's not taboo. It's just, I believe that women are equal to men. And like, I yeah. think there is a lot of issues around toxic feminine, toxic, toxic, well, toxic masculinity, but also then talk being a toxic feminist where you like believe that like women are above men, but it's not, it's like not that that's kind of the misconception around being a feminist is that you believe women are above men, but no, it's just, it's just equal. <laughs> I think we, yeah, I think you're totally right that we need to destigmatize the word so that girls like you don't feel bad saying like, hey, I'm a feminist. I identify as a feminist. And that should just be commonplace that we call ourselves that because we know that what it means is that everyone's equal and should be equal. Yeah. And then, okay. So my last question is more of just kind of a fun way to end off. 
Um, so what is your all-time favorite book? Oh, that's so hard. That is the <laughs> hardest question to ask an English teacher. Um, okay. My all-time favorite book. I'm going to go. Okay. I wasn't prepared for this question. Why is this so hard for me? <laughs> or you can choose a couple, just like some of your favorite books. Okay. okay. I, it's really hard for me to decide because I have so many books that have moved and inspired me. Mm -hmm. I, one of my all-time favorite books is The House on Mango Street. It's one that yeah. I teach to my eighth graders. I and reading it. Yeah, Sandra Cisneros just writes the most incredibly beautiful poetry as she mm -hmm. weaves this narrative of a young girl growing up on Mango Street. If you haven't read it, you've got to read it. It's one of the books that I read when I was in high school, and I just fell in love with the beauty mm -hmm. of her words and also the experiences that she was teaching me about. And this was a book that I was able to see into someone else's experiences that I couldn't relate to, but changed me and inspired mm -hmm. me. So I think that was one of the books that really inspired a, a love of reading for me. Yeah. I remember reading it and I remember thinking it was a really cool book that we got to read and that like even and that I could see like some of the struggles she had um, with her gender identity. I kind of was like I felt like I could relate to it. But then I also got to see a side of the world that I didn't understand. I didn't know about. And it kind of taught me about that. And I thought that that was really cool and impactful. It's windows and mirrors, right? Yeah. That we want to be able to see an experience that we can't relate to so we can become more empathetic, you know, yes. humans who can show up for other people well, but also see a little bit of ourselves in the protagonist. And it doesn't matter if the protagonist is male or female or how they identify or their race or nationality, but that mm -hmm. we can find a little piece of them in us um, and hopefully become just a little bit you know, better citizens of the world because we read critically and, and think empathetically. Okay, cool. this has been Female Forward. Um, this I'm Kate Lennington, and I've been interviewing Whitney Swope. Thank you for tuning in.